Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, well, welcome here to Virgin Most Powerful Radio to all of our listeners. Uh, here we are at the top of the noon hour. Let's go ahead and start uh, with the angelus like we normally do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the <clears throat> by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray unto thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Today I want to say St. Gemma Galgani, pray for us. St. Padre Pio, pray for us. And any saints who have battled the demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, folks, we need our prayers today, and I want to make sure that everybody said the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel, because we're going to talk about a little bit of a heavy topic, but an important topic, because this is really what it comes down to. Today, we're going to talk about the battle for our soul, and how that plays out. Why is it, why is it the battle for the soul? You know, how important is your soul? How much value is there in a soul? Well, sometimes we don't realize what we have till it's gone. Right. And, you know, as, as Catholics and, and here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio, we're always talking about making sure that we get our souls to heaven, making sure that the most important medication we take are, uh, the sacraments of confession and the Eucharist and making sure that, uh, our end goal is to make it to paradise, right? That's, that's, it at the end of the day. Well, it's easy for, to forget that. It's easy to focus a lot more on the battle than on the prize. And that's, I think, where a lot of people have pitfalls when it comes to the ministry of deliverance uh, and prayers, because that's one of the tricks, right? Today, we're going to talk about how much is our soul worth and how do we know that? Um, it's easy to get lost in that battle. I think one of the tricks of the devil is that he makes you think that the battle is more important than your soul. And in the ministry of deliverance, a lot of times people start focusing on, we got to get rid of the devil. We got to get rid of the devil. We got to get rid of, um, you know, fight the devil. And we forget that really the end goal isn't exactly fighting the devil. That's a side effect of sin. That's a side effect of being here. That's a side effect of the fall of the angels. Um, but the main goal, the most important part is getting to heaven right? That's, that should be our focus. And this is, you know, as we're doing that, are we doing our good works? Are we, are we praying? Are we going to church? That's much more important um, than fighting the devil. How do we know? Because as we're doing that, 
That is how we're fighting the devil. We forget that. Sometimes we think, oh, I need to listen to more uh, lectures on the demonic. I need to listen to more lectures on, um, you know, uh, the uh, what oppression means and, and what possession is and what infestation is. And maybe I need to go look at some of those horror movies uh, that people have put out on, you know, I got to go look at The Exorcist or I have to look at The Conjuring or something along those lines where I see the devil at work. Well, a lot of times that that can easily trick us and keep us from doing what we're actually supposed to be doing. It can keep us from actually focusing on Christ. My job isn't to uh, learn more about how to fight the devil. It's actually uh, to learn more and to try to unite myself to Christ all that more powerful. Now, granted, as I say this, you know, we're going to have a show on how do we do that? How how important is our is uh, our soul? I think when we look at these other shows or when we start to study the diabolical, I think it should be with a perspective of, wow, my soul must have a lot of value if somebody's going through this much trouble to try to trick me and to try to deceive me and to try to make it so that my soul doesn't get to heaven. Why is that so important? Why would somebody take it upon themselves to have their sole mission to try to drag me down into hell? Why? Why would that be? What What good is that? What do they gain? Well, you know, if we understand the battle, if we understand what happened um, in terms of the fall of the angels, uh, then I think we need to, then we gain a better understanding of how much is my soul worth. I think when, when I have a better understanding of how much my soul is worth, um, then I have a, a better, a, a greater desire to save it, to make sure that I do avoid sin, to make sure that I, that I get rid of anything that's going to keep me from Christ in my life. And that's really where deliverance comes in. The only reason to be watching anything or reading anything about the diabolical is just to understand the traps that might be set up so that as I am praying, as I am leading a sacramental life, I don't fall into these petty arguments or I don't start to fall into for, for dumb temptation, simple things that all of a sudden I realize, whoa, my soul is worth much more than that. And that's what we're going to study today. What I want to look at today is let's look at this battle for the soul. Let's look at what the soul is and let's look at why it's so important that we are going to confession, that we get rid of sin in our lives and that we continue to um, accept Christ and focus on the Eucharist as the end all to be all. It's the, it's the source and summit of our faith. If Christ is truly there present in the Eucharist, I think that as a Catholic, I would want to, I never want to read about these things about the diabolical. I'd rather want to spend all of my time in front of the tabernacle and getting my soul closer to Christ. But that's part of the deception too. Don't, don't underestimate the power of the deception of saying, yeah, read more about me, read more about me in terms of deliverance, read more about me, read every book out there that's written about, about the devil and, and demons, spend your time doing that. And don't, don't, you, you might not need to pray the rosary because, you know, reading about the devils, that was already kind of prayer in and of itself. These are the little tricks that it's like, no, that had nothing to do with anything. Little do, little do we know that by praying the rosary, we've actually probably abolished, you know, millions of, of demons in our lives. Um, by going to the sacrament of confession, we've already gotten rid of any of that. And we're going to need a lot less of trying to focus on evil and on uh, uh, the tricks of the devil. Why? Because then we're going to bask in the glory of God. We're going to bask in the glory of grace. But it is important to understand the pitfalls. And this is what today's talk is about, not to focus on the demons, but to really focus on what is it that the demons are doing to try to get rid of our soul. So let's focus on the soul first. Why is my soul so important? And why would it be worth it for somebody to try to get rid of it or to try to steal it, to try to, to, try to um, um, make it so that I go to hell? Why, why is that? Why would that even matter to somebody? Well, 
I think there's a whole lot of value in our soul because God made us in such a way that he's going to raise us above the angels, right? Once we get to heaven, I think that that could be a problem for certain angels who have a problem with that. Um, and that was the whole reason hell was created, right? I will not serve God. I will not serve a God, man. I will not serve Christ incarnate. So I'd rather, you know, go to hell than to have anything to do with these humans because why, wait a minute, you're going to elevate these humans to a level of, of dignity to a level uh, of uh, divinity with you. You're going to share in that divinity with them. What are you doing? Right? This is the battle that, that Satan had with God. And so all of a sudden our soul is that important. Well, let's give it its due, its due uh, importance. Let's make sure that we understand that when we do battle, it's because I want my soul to get closer to Christ and put Christ as our focus first. How can we be tricked? What, what can happen in terms of this battle for the souls? Well, a lot of things can happen. Let's listen to a uh, verse here from Second Corinthians. I know that we've all heard this verse before from St. Paul, Second uh, Corinthians 12, 7. Uh, so it's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. And it says, and to keep me from being too elated by the abundance of revelations. In other words, God is revealing a lot of things to him. Uh, St. Paul is starting to know a lot about God, uh, but he's saying to keep me from being too elated from that, from probably being too prideful about it, from feeling like I'm too important because God's sharing all this uh, with me. He says, a thorn was given me in the flesh, an angel of Satan to beat me, to keep me from being too exalted. Well, this is kind of interesting, right? Because we say that in the battle, we're trying to get rid of these demons. In this particular case, St. Paul is actually telling us that it was a good thing. If we look at it that way, let's, let's read it again. To keep me from being too elated by the abundance of revelations. He's, re, he's receiving all these revelations that Christ is giving him. A thorn was given me in the flesh, an angel of Satan to beat me. This was given to me. Who gives us things? Where do things come from? They come from God, right? So nothing happens without God allowing it. A thorn was given to me in the flesh to keep me from being too exalted. I think sometimes we think that our sufferings are a form of punishment. And in this case, St. Paul is actually saying, no, this was actually a good thing. The, God sent me this to keep me humble because I'm becoming very important here in the eyes of God. I'm starting to receive messages from God. I'm having a lot of things revealed to me. I'm having an abundance of things revealed to me. I can start to feel that I'm better than the person next to me. I can start to feel that I'm better than other people because, boy, I'm getting holier, aren't I? I'm getting holier so I can start to look down on those who aren't as holy. How many times has that happened? How many times do we know of people who all of a sudden through their, they start to become arrogant, right? They start to become prideful and they start to think that they know a whole lot because God is re revealing a lot to them and they forget, you know, we forget, I should say we, how many times do we think, oh, I'm so smart. And I forget all of a sudden that, you know what? I got to keep, got to keep humble because God might be revealing certain things to me, but I don't know what he's revealing to everybody else. Lest I start to feel more important than other people, God might send a thorn to my side and might say, nope, you got to suffer through this one. You got to, you, you're going to need a little bit of pain. I'm going to give you some revelations, but I got to remind you who you are. I got to remind you where you came from. I got to remind you that you're no better than anybody else because that can happen. So that's one of the things that we got to remember in terms of this battle for the soul. Sometimes we think, oh my gosh, diabolical affliction. That's the worst thing ever. Now, I don't want to go to the extreme saying, oh, we're all victim souls. No, because sometimes people take that to the extreme and say, oh, I'm being diabolically afflicted. I'm a victim soul. And if this is what God wants, well, I'm just going to allow it to happen. No, we got to have that good fight. We have to battle for our soul. And we got to make sure that we get our soul ready. But we got to remember if there's a trial or tribulation, God is teaching us a lesson. 
And if we can change our mind just a little bit, we're defeating the devil because now we're seeing how God's working in our life. And we're going to say, you know what? I'll take the suffering one step at a time. More on how on the battle for our souls when we come back from the break. All right. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show, and I am your host, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Always a pleasure to connect with our audience. Always wonderful to talk about our Catholic faith. And today we have a special show where we're talking about what's the value of our soul? Why is it so important? And why is there this battle for it? It's got to be important and there's a battle for it. How much is our soul worth an eternity of elation and happiness in heaven. You know, when you look at the modern world, we talk about in the business world, we talk about what's our return on investment. Um, You know, if I'm going to go buy some food, would I rather spend, you know, $20 on some delicious food that's just going to be amazing or $5 on some food that's going to be okay, but it's going to fill me up. Well, when you look at that, I'd rather spend more money on something that's going to really satisfy me and be delicious versus something that's just going to fill me up for the moment. And I paid very little for that's really kind of the the battle for the soul. If I'm going to put in some more sacrifice, I'm going to spend some more money. I'm going to spend some more time. There is the return on that investment is huge. It's an eternal happiness. There's, there's no way that I can match that no matter how much sacrifice I put into it compared to, well, a moment of, of good time and a moment of pleasure, uh, here on this planet. Um, today we're talking about the battle for our souls and how the devil, uh, tricks us and how the devil tries to, uh, change our focus from God to him. And this is where we really got to say, let's focus on Christ. Let's keep Christ first. Um, we were talking about how sometimes it's not such a bad thing. You know, we talk about victim souls and we talk about people who are afflicted by the devil and we say, oh man, that's terrible. But sometimes it's God really keeping us humble and it's giving us a higher place in heaven, uh, even more so, you know, a, a even happier eternity. How, how good, can, you know, how, how much better is that? Sometimes we see it very openly and overtly. Um, but other times, you know, I found this article and you can go on our, our website and, and find it. If you look under my show, I put the link on there it's called mystics of the church. And it's an article on some of the saints who battled, uh, uh, the demons and, and what that looked like and what that meant. Um, but one of the interesting paragraphs on this article, it says for the majority of us, the devil and his demons prefer to wage a silent hidden war primarily because it is through this method that the demons stand the best chance of tempting and deceiving us. For if we physically saw a demon and its efforts to tempt and lead us to sin, we would be absolutely horrified by its hideous appearance and would in fact be strengthened in our resolutions against sin and evil deeds. So it is in our daily lives that most of us are subjugated to unseen temptations and attacks by the demonic spirits. But in the lives of certain mystics, God allowed the malignant spirits to use open warfare. You know, and that's the thing. Sometimes we think, oh man, you know, these saints who, who actually saw the devil, a lot of people want to really feel that open affliction. A lot of people who have encountered in deliverance kind of feel a sense of pride almost that, you know, oh my goodness. Yeah. I hear all these noises in my home at 3 a.m. Oh, I'm being tortured by, by these demons and they share their story and they see that as a source of pride. And honestly speaking, um, it kind of loses its, uh, its value, if you will, uh, when we kind of share with everybody how we're being afflicted, it's usually the greater uh, battle and it's usually the greater merit that we're going to have when our our battles are kind of silent, when only God sees them, when all of a sudden we know that we're being afflicted by something, but we're going to fight it and we're just going to go on 
through life with a big smile and try to make everybody's life happy. Um, and we're not going to necessarily share about all of our afflictions um, because we're, we're suffering in a way where we, it's not suffering. Sometimes we say suffering in silence. What I would say is more sacrifice, sacrificing ourselves in union with Christ when we do it that way, when we silently go through and we realize, oh, this is what the devil's tempting me to do. Oh, I see what this is. Who are you here who's trying to tempt me? You know, once we reveal that, we, we look over our shoulder and we say, you know, who is it that's talking to me right now? That's not my thought. That voice came from outside of me. Um, you know, that thought that's in my head, that's not something I want, but I'm not going to tell the whole world about it. I'm going to silently say, God, I see what's happening here. I'm going to offer you my sacrifice right now, silently without necessarily letting the rest of the world know. That's that's a huge battle right there. You just won a ridiculously huge battle um, that nobody else is going to know about. And so many souls are going to benefit from, but we're not going to know until we get to heaven, right? Because when we win those little battles, when we silently win the battles and move on and just say, God, I'm just going to offer this to you. This is between you and me. And I'm going to just show you how you're in my heart. And I'm not going to, you know, tell the whole world about it. As Jesus says, don't let one hand know what the other hand's doing. Go pray in silence. Make sure that when you pray, nobody's watching you. It's kind of the same thing. Make sure that when you're battling, you know, we all kind of battle. We know that we're each battling, but my battle, I don't have to necessarily tell people about. Now, granted, sometimes it's great to share because then we don't feel so alone. And if we're in the right place or we have to share our battles where we're not trying to be prideful or gain our own crown here on earth, where we're just sharing it as a matter of fact, yeah, this is what I struggle with and this is what I do every day. And, um, you know, this is to help other people realize that their struggles mean something. That's very different. But I've seen too many people try to share their battles and their struggles or personal struggles in order to make themselves look greater. And that's where the pitfall fall comes in, right? That's where the pride comes in. So I think that that's why for the majority of us, God says, no, you know, your, your, your battles are going to be quiet. Nobody's going to know about your temptations. Uh, try not to share them with people unless you're going to try to help bring somebody else up. But for those saints who we know there was open battle with, um, it's important to, to hear those stories because this is where we're going to understand our battle as well. None of the saints were ever trying to lift themselves up. None of them were ever trying to be prideful. You know, you can't get to sainthood that way. You can't get into heaven with pride. It's impossible to do that. You know, nobody in heaven has any bit of pride and nobody in hell has any bit of humility. It doesn't work that way. You know, it's the opposite, right? Everybody in heaven is going to be very, very humble because we see the power of God and everybody in hell is going to be very prideful because they decided that, you know, they were more important than God's will. So this is where I always ask our listeners, please pray for me so that, you know, we can keep our humility um, as we share our faith here. Um, but at the same time, God does allow uh, the saints to share their stories with us in a very humble way, uh, in a very in a very uh, calm way, in a very peaceful way, so that we understand what the battle is, so that when we're faced with it in our own lives, we're not so shaken by it. One of the interesting things is that, you know, as I was reading, it said, uh, that the demons do that quietly because if we physically saw them and their efforts to tempt and lead us to sin, we would be absolutely horrified and hideous by their hideous appearance. We wouldn't want to do anything sinful whatsoever. Well, let's look at how they have appeared. Let's look at what their hideous appearance is uh, to a certain extent, because I'm sure God doesn't even let uh, the saints see their full uh, um, demonic appearance. Um, but let's look at this, the demonic apparitions under different forms and what they mean. So different saints have, have shared how the demons have appeared to them. And this is what they mean. So one of them was a black ape or a hairy man. And this symbolizes Satan's mockery of Jesus, for he is really the ape of God, right? So, <clears throat> you know, he represents himself as a hairy ape-like man, and so he's he's more of a monkey, and really uh, trying to 
mock God and mock humans and saying that we're just kind of monkeys, that we're animals, you know, that God made us as just part of creatures. Um, but why would that be mocking? Why would he want to do that? Because he knows that we're going to be elevated to a state of, of joined uh, divinity with God. And so, of course, he's trying to make us seem an- animalistic. If you notice, when something's diabolical, when something appears diabolical, the demons start to appear more like um, animals, right? They, they, God made us to have dominion over the animals. How do we know that? Because in the book of Genesis, um, God told Adam to name the animals. When you name something, you have power over them. This is why we don't name our guardian angels. We pray to our guardian angels, but we don't have power over the angels. Only God does. Um, this is why it was so important in the Bible that they didn't say the, the name of God, right? You don't say that because we don't have power over God. And that's why they were very careful not to say their name. Um, in the same way, we have dominion over the animals, but I've seen this in deliverance sessions. What happens when the demon appears or shows up? Sometimes they start to form animalist, to take animalistic forms. We saw this in Fatima, right? When they had the vision of hell so that you could tell who the demons were because they look like animals. Meaning that as we sin, we start to become hell. We start to become more animalistic versus raise ourselves to a God-like uh, divinity um, where God wants us. So one of the appearances is a black ape or a hairy man. The next one was a black serpent or a snake, right? We see this in deliverance. Sometimes people start acting as a demon appears to them or manifests. They start acting like snakes. It symbolizes Satan's intelligence and cunning temptations. And again, we go back to the book of Genesis, right? So how did the devil appear? As a snake, again, an animal, but it's supposed to be a smart snake, a smart animal because they're very, they slither. Um, granted, you can argue that that happened after the fall, right? When God said, you're going to crawl on your belly. But snakes, we know, look kind of sneaky. They just kind of slither around. They see what's going on. They're calculated. There is a certain level of intelligence. Nobody's going to deny that the demons kept their angelic uh, um, nature in terms of their intelligence. They're just fallen angels. So we can't deny that they know things in a different way than we do. Um, another apparition that one of the saints said was that it appears a large black cats and black dogs. Again, back to that animalistic, uh, shape, uh, it says that they make their appearance quite often in the lives of the mystics in this way, uh, because it seems the precise symbolism seems to be unknown, but they are very often used in physical attacks. Uh, note the demonic black dog is not to be confused with the large gray dog who often mysteriously appeared in the life of St. John Bosco and whom literally saved him his life on several occasions. So this is important to note because, uh, I read somewhere that demons hate dogs, uh, for the most part. And why? Because what do we call dogs here on this planet? We call them man's best friend. How many times did God, you know, have, have dogs saved us or helped us? How many times did we use them as, as rescue dogs? Uh, how many times, you know, they're used in the military. Uh, we, we can train dogs and they, and they know how to, how to follow us. That's where we really show our dominion over animals. God gave us dogs to help us out in this planet. And so that's pretty interesting, uh, to keep in mind, but the demons will appear that way. Um, they'll appear as trying to scare us as animals. And then there was another one that said that they appeared as black human shaped shadow people. Uh, that is also quite common. Uh, the demons are in raw form. Their purpose is to be, uh, yeah, to, so the, the purpose of this is for them to terrorize and scare, hoping leading the victims to despair. The devil has been often known to take on the form of a goat also, why the goat? Why is it the goat? We see this all the time in, in Satanism and whatnot. One of their symbols is the goat. Why is it the goat? Because it's to mock Jesus, who is the Lamb of God, takes away the sins of the earth. And we know in the gospel reading, Jesus tells us that when he comes, he's going to separate who? The goat from the sheep, right? The goats are going to go to hell. The sheep are going to go into heaven. Um, 
One of the saints described being watched by a pair of fiery, red, glowing, burning, demonic eyes, which contradicts uh, the ever-watchful eye of God, which itself symbolizes the omnipresence and omniscience of God who watches over all things. So these are some of the tricks that we're going to see here. Why all these tricks? Notice that I say the devil tricks us, right? <clears throat> Why a trick? Why not the truth? Because the truth is actually very scary for demons, right? The, the demons live in, in a land of lies. Heaven, hell is when you can't live in truth. Only Jesus is the truth. He said, I am the truth. All the truth is in heaven. And the truth is actually very good. If we notice that if Jesus is the truth and truth lives in heaven, then something about the truth is very wonderful. We say that we need truth and beauty, um, right? These are the, the, the things that bring us closer to God. The demons have to trick us. Why? Because the truth is too scary for them. The truth is that they are abandoned. They are in hell. They're going to be tortured forever. And the only way to to uh, get our souls is to trick us. Because if we saw the true value of our soul, if we saw that our soul can unite itself to God, that's pretty powerful. A spiritual entity that can that can unite itself to God and Christ comes down and unites with us in suffering, <clears throat> there's something very, very important. There's going to be nothing but light and power and knowledge all coming from God um, into our souls. How powerful is that? Does anybody not want that? You know, we get tricked because we think that, oh, you know, gosh, this temptation here, it's going to be more important, more powerful. Uh, I'm going to feel good right now, and it's going to bring me a lot of pleasure. But that's passing. The value of the soul is eternal pleasure. When we come back, um, we're going to see how these tricks happen. Where does where does the demon trick us? What is it that he does to our minds to make us believe that anything could be more important than the eternal salvation of our soul? More when we come back from the break. All right, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Today, uh, we are talking about the demons and how they will trick us because our soul is very, very valuable. Actually, what we're really talking about is our soul. You know, I hate to say that we're talking about demons. It gives them, you know, a sense of pride that, oh my gosh, look at how important I am. And that's one of the tricks, right? So what I want to look at is, oh my gosh, look at how important our soul is. Let's start by thinking that way, right? So how important is my soul? I got to really start, you know, in, in my life, I want to say, and I ask all of our viewers here to pray for me because this happens when I say, you know, this happens or that happens, you know, when we fall into sin, Hey, I'm right there with you, you know, believe it or not, the, the, the temptations are there all the time. Uh, they can happen to all of us. And really what I ask is that you pray that everything that we talk about here, that everything that I say that I believe in my own life too, because <clears throat> it's so easy to start looking at worldly things and think, oh man, that's so much more important. You know, gosh, if I just had that nice suit, boy, I'd, I'd be so happy, you know, or if I had a, a, a new toy or whatever it is, that video game, that's what's going to make me happy. Uh, and what am I willing to do to get that? Am I willing to get angry at my parents because I want some money? Am I willing to ignore my wife for a moment because I'm going to go and, and spend some time with my buddies uh, and not focus on the sacrament because, gosh, I was able to, you know, hang out with my friends. Now, don't get me wrong. It's important to to be able to have a variety of things, right? To, to let my wife go out to lunch with her friends or she lets me go hang out with my friends you know, with my friends every now and then it's important to have those times, but am I doing it to, at the, at the risk of neglecting, uh, my sacramental married life, you know, and I say that we let each other because we own each other, right? As when we get married, there's an ownership that we have over each other and we check in and we we got to talk about it. And Hey, how are we doing right now? Do you feel like we need to spend more time? Do you feel like, uh, there's something important you need to do? Do you need to go to the store by yourself? I'll watch the kids. You know, these are important things to talk about. 
And it sounds silly because one of the tricks, there's a few different tricks that we need to talk about when it comes to the, to the demonic. Uh, so we've talked about how the, uh, the demons will appear, right? They appear as dogs, as snakes, as animals, as shadows, anything to really, <clears throat> one, scare us, but two, um, really to try to make themselves seem very powerful. And that's the first trick right there. The first trick is that the demons are going to want you to believe that they are more powerful uh, than the love God has for us. And that's what it comes down to. That's the value of the soul. What's the value of the soul? It's a spiritual uh, part of us where God can infuse all of his love, right? And our bodies, we know that our bodies are going to decay and they're going to they're going to go away. But our soul is going to be eternal and everlasting. The only other thing that's eternal and everlasting is God, right? Because that's where life comes from. He created our souls. He's fully connected to our souls. He's going to give us a new body uh, when we rise again. Um, but the soul is going to be there. The soul is something that we're carrying from this world to the next. And how powerful is that? God can also fix us. He can clean our souls. That's why we go to confession. The value of the soul, this is where confession is so important. The value of the soul is so big that God is saying, Hey, I'm going to give you guys extra chances and you're going to go to confession. And if, if your soul got sullied and it got dirty because you fell in temptation, I know that it's hard out there. I know that, it, that it's tough to, to be tricked and to deal with all these things. But what I'm doing for you is I'm going to let you um, fix that. In fact, I'm going to let you come back and I'm going to show you how merciful I am. That's powerful right there. God's mercy is power. The demons want you to believe that your soul's not that important. In fact, that God doesn't love you, that they're the only ones who can love you. Talk about a trick right there. That's the biggest trick in the world because once you're in hell, once you become something diabolical, when there's something diabolical in the soul in hell, there is no capacity for love. That's something to consider. That's the biggest trick that the demon has any power whatsoever because one, all their power or anything that they can do comes from God. That's the first thing we got to remember. Two, uh, what we've got to remember is they have no capacity for love or caring. Their sole capacity is for destruction. God's sole capacity is for love. It's not compatible, right? This is why there's a great chasm between heaven and hell, um, because in, in heaven, it's all love. That's the only place that love exists in the afterlife is in heaven, right? And in purgatory, we can say that it's a, a hopeful love, that there's a desire for God there, but there's still pain. There's still cleansing that needs to happen. But in hell, there's no capacity for love. The demon's going to try to trick you. They, they probably intellectually understand love. They intellectually know what that means because they intellectually know how God works, but they don't have the capacity to experience that. It's kind of like somebody, uh, unfortunately, like when somebody goes through a depression, right? A depression is kind of a bit of an experience of hell because intellectually you understand a lot of things, but emotionally you don't have that experience. You don't have the experience of happiness. You know that it exists and you know that it's not part of you. And that's part of the pain of depression, which I can only imagine there's a whole lot of depression in hell, right? There's, it's all that there exists. How can somebody who lives in a state of constant depression and fear and anger ever tell you that they love you? How, how is that possible? And how, how can they tell you that they're powerful? They lost all their power. They're going to lie to us and they're going to make us believe that they're more powerful than God. But really the only power in this universe comes from God. So if they have any capacity, if they have any power, if they're allowed to do anything, it's because God allowed it. Let's look at this one saint who was tormented and tortured. Um, so she was a, a, a considered a victim soul. She was, her name was, uh, Josefa Mendez. Um, 
And she was a nun in France, right? And the devil often appeared to her in the form of a terrifying black dog, it says in this article, a black snake, or in the form of a shadow man. We talked about these uh, different ways that they appear. And for Josefa Mendez on December 4th, 1921, it says that she was violently pulled from her bed and she was thrown onto the ground and then pummeled by a barrage of demonic blows uh, that she was made to listen to abominable blasphemies against our Lord and our Lady. Long hours were so spent and the torture uh, it was renewed on the following two nights. So three nights in a row that this happened. After one such terrible night, she wrote uh, <clears throat> on the morning of, it says, Tuesday, December 6th. So notice there's a whole lot of mocking. That's the other thing that's going to happen here. Uh, that, you, that This is how we know sometimes when people say, how do I know that this is diabolical? Or how do I know this is coming from God? Well, whenever there's diabolical, there's a whole lot of mocking and a whole lot of inversion from what's holy. Why three nights? They're always going to, they're, they're going to try to invert, you know, the three days of, of Jesus being in the tomb before the resurrection, right? The demons are going to try to make themselves a, a, a entity where they're close to God or they're God-like. That's what they're always trying to achieve because they're never going to get there. It's not going to happen when they're in hell. So this is what she says. This is what she wrote. She said, unable to bear any more, I knelt down beside my bed, endeavoring to forget the horror, that maleficent voice insulting our Lord and our lady. Suddenly I heard gnashing of teeth and a yell of rage. Then all vanished and before me stood our lady, all loveliness. And she says, this is what our lady told her. She said, do not fear my daughter. I am here. And then the Saint, uh, Saint Josefa said, I told her how terrified I was of the devil who made me suffer so much. And then she said this, he may torment you, but he has no power to harm you. His fury is very great on account of the souls that escape him. Souls are of such great worth. If you but knew the value of a single soul, giving me her blessing, she said, do not fear. I kissed her hand and she went away. Our lady's telling us right there, you know, this is what's happening. Why are you being so tormented? God allows this, but why are you being so tormented? She said right there, souls of such are of such great worth, but you know, but if you knew the value of a single soul, the thing is this, and we're not going to understand the value until, until we pass away and we get to heaven in this world, we have to understand it intellectually. Um, but we have to look at the signs. Why would somebody go through such great lengths to trick us? Something has to be very valuable. Why not just tell us the truth? Because if we knew the truth, we would never sin again. You know, that's what happens in heaven. We know the fullness of the truth and that's why we can never sin again. We see the value of God. We see the value of our soul. And then it goes on to say that later Jesus appeared to her and she immediately appeared to the Saint Josefa and she immediately told him of her greatest concern, the fear that in those hellish torments that her soul had lost something of its purity or any rate of former innocence. Because I never, she said, because I never know anything about all those things with which the devil torments me. Okay, here's the key. This is this is another trick. Sometimes we get tricked in thinking that our temptations or we've ex been exposed to something, we've already sinned and there's a problem and now we sin and we got to go to confession. And that's a trick because we can become scrupulous that way. Let's say that you are uh, inadvertently in a bookstore and all of a sudden you're looking at the magazine rack because you're looking for a magazine on sports cars or you're looking for a magazine on, on fashion or something. And inadvertently, uh, you come up on, you know, the gentleman's section of magazines and all of a sudden there's a, you know, images of, of, of a pornographic nature or Nicolay or something. Just because you saw that, does that mean that you sinned? Oh my gosh, I have to go to confession now because I saw that. No, not necessarily. I was exposed to a temptation. I was exposed to something sinful. But let's see what Jesus tells her because this is what she's saying. She's saying, look, I'm, I'm hearing all these hellish torments and my, I feel like my, she said, my soul has lost something of its purity or at any rate of its former innocence, because I was exposed to these things that I knew not of. And what does Jesus tell her? 
He says, do not be afraid. Your soul is steeped in my blood and none of that can stain it. Then alluding to a specific word, which is more than once in the preceding days had given her strength. He said, your mothers have found the word abandonment. The devil has no power, but what is given to him from on high. Tell your mothers that I am supreme. These are the nuns, right? So there's abandonment to Christ. But this is what was most important. When we're exposed to something sinful, you know, it shakes the soul. The soul's going to be sad about that. There's going to be a fear. There's going to be, uh, it's tormentous to the soul because the soul wants nothing but goodness, right? This is where the truth comes in, but that's the trick. The devil wants you to believe that, oh my gosh, you've been exposed to something sinful. Now you've sinned and that's it. You're going to go to hell because you saw this, you had this thought, you had this temptation. The temptation is not the sin. The thought is not the sin. It's what do we do about it? Do I, does that lead me to sin? You know, the temptation is always there. Why would it keep recurring? No, the devil wants you to sin. He doesn't, that's the the whole purpose of the temptation. It's not a sin yet. Look at what Jesus told her. This is very important. He says, do not be afraid. Your soul is steeped in my blood and none of that can stain it. It's so important to remember that just because we have a temptation or we're exposed to something sinful, that does not mean that that our soul is now in sin. Okay. We're exposed to something sinful, but the sin comes from our actions. Do we act in a sinful way? And that's where all of a sudden we have to be careful. Right. And so it says that nevertheless, even though she's getting these constellations, we get consoled, but it says that the demons sought to discourage her from her mission of sacrificing and suffering from souls. And they endeavored by all means to drive her to despair. And she overheard them saying such things as this. So this is where the devil wants us to believe that he's powerful. Right. So he wants wants us to believe he's powerful. That's one of the tricks. He wants us to believe that if we're exposed to something or we see something sinful that we've already sinned. But let's look at these tortures, what the demons were told her. They said, you will be one of us. You shall tire, wait, we shall tire you out. We shall overcome you. Don't let go of her. Be on your guard to plague her in any way you can. That's what they told each other. She must not escape. We must induce her to despair. So this is what they're telling us, right? All of a sudden we, they want to fill us with fear. Remember what, what is, what are the demonic words here? They're full of fear. Why? Because they want the soul to be afraid. And that they want to lead us to despair. And that's how they get us. We can't despair. We can't be afraid. Why? Because we have to remember that everything comes from God. God is more powerful. Once we become afraid of the devil, we start to forget that God is more powerful. How much is the soul worth? God put a whole lot of effort into the soul. God put himself on the cross for our souls. It's got to be worth a whole lot. And the purpose of the demons or their temptations is to make us forget that. It's that simple. We have to remember how much our soul is worth more when we come back from the break. All right, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show, and I am your host, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Today, let's say another special prayer. Let's say another uh, prayer to St. Michael. I know we do it at the beginning of the show, but our topic's a little heavy, and we want to make sure that we are protected. So we're going to pray to St. Michael one more time. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world seeking the ruin of souls. Today we're talking about how the devil likes to trick us and likes to make us forget 
or not think about how important our soul is. And really that's all we should be focusing on. You know, when we wake up in the mornings, when we go through our day, the most important thing is sometimes we're, we're really trying to focus on, oh, how do I avoid, uh, you know, d- the demonic? How do I avoid evil entities? How do I fight the devil today? Sometimes we do that, but really that's kind of a trick in and of itself. What we should really be thinking of is wake up and say, wow, I'm carrying this soul around. God gave me existence. He gave me a soul. How am I protecting this soul today? What's my soul worth? What am I doing for my soul? Have I prayed today? Is my soul in a good place? Do I need to get to confession? Do I need to go receive? Have you received the Eucharist? Am I going to mass? That's really what our soul focus should be on. As a side effect while we're doing that, we're going to be trying to be tricked and, and sidetracked, um, you know, in terms of, of uh, trying to get our soul to be away from Christ. And that's what we really got to focus on in terms of devil's tricks, but that's it. What we want to focus on, our main focus is getting the soul to heaven and remembering that we have a soul that's worth a lot. One of the saints who battled the demons uh, was St. Gemma Galgani, and this is something she had to say. Uh, This is a quote from her. She said, "Um, the devil in the form of a great black dog put his paws upon my shoulders, making every bone in my body ache. At times, I believe that he would mangle me Then one time when I was blessing myself with holy water, he twisted my arm so cruelly that I fell to the ground in great pain. After a while, I remembered that I had around my neck the relic of the holy cross. Making the sign of the cross, I became calm. Jesus let me see himself, but only for a short time, and he strengthened me anew to suffer and struggle. This is important to remember because as we go through the day and we realize, gosh, what am I doing for my soul? Uh, I got to remind myself, One, um, am I offering my struggles uh, to God? Am I uniting my struggles into turning my suffering into sacrifice by uniting it to Christ on the cross? Am I doing that? This is something St. Gemma reminds us of. Um, But this is something that's interesting, though. You notice something here. If I look at this from a psychiatric perspective, from a mental health perspective, from, you know, a psychological perspective, Let's look at this again, because this is something that we got to remember as we are getting our soul to heaven. And as we do have to have these spiritual battles, you know, again, I said, the devil tries to trick us and make us think that he's all powerful. He also tries to trick us and make us think that, you know, just because we're tempted, we've already sinned. He's always going to want to make it seem that we're already condemned to hell because then that way it doesn't matter what we do. Might as well just sin, right? So it doesn't matter. But this is an interesting passage because as we're battling, let's look at what St. Gemma did here. This is important for us to use as one of our weapons as we are fighting, as we are making sure that we keep our focus on God. It says, you know, let's read the whole thing again and break it down. So the devil, uh, in the form of a great black dog, put his paws on my shoulders, making every bone in my body ache. Remember, just because something's aching like that, like St. Paul told us, you know, he had the thorn in his side. If we're feeling pain and we feel that it can be coming from a diabolical origin, does that mean that it's necessarily bad? We got to remember that Christ allows that, that God allows that. And so it's something for our betterment. It's something to improve ourselves. It's not going to feel good, but it's something to improve ourselves. And we've got to remember that we have, a, have, have to have a positive outlook. This is where we join that suffering and say, man, I'm in pain. Could this be the devil doing it? Well, what happened here? So I'm in pain. It could be the devil doing it. St. Gemma tells us that it was. She says, at times I believe he would mangle me, right? He would mangle me. So he's going to turn me into nothing. He's just going to eat me. And he's going to eat me like a dog would and just spit me out pretty much. And he would mangle me. She said, then one time, When I was blessing myself with holy water, he twisted my arm so cruelly that I fell to the ground with great pain. Again, we've got another situation of pain. Now she's talking about physical pain. We could be talking about spiritual pain, physical pain, mental pain, uh, whatever the pain is. But this is the key here. This is what happened. Maybe this is why God allowed this to happen. She said, after a while, 
I remember that I had around my neck the relic of the Holy Cross. Hang on a second. Okay, so in the midst of pain, what does St. Gemma tells us to do? What does she show us that she does? She remembers that she has a relic of the Holy Cross, and then she makes the sign of the cross and becomes calm. What does she show us? Hmm. Does that mean that I have to carry a relic around all the time of the Holy Cross? Does that mean that I have to, you know, do this? Well, it could be the relic of the Holy Cross, but it, really in our lives, you're going to say, well, how am I going to find a relic of the Holy Cross? No, it doesn't matter uh, what it is you're carrying around. It's a sacramental. And what we've got to remember here is what she's showing us is, what do the sacramentals help us do? I'm remembering that I'm carrying the uh, medal of the, mir- the miraculous medal, say, or I remember that I have a rosary in my pocket, or I remember that I have a crucifix around my neck, or I have the St. Benedict medal around my neck. What's the purpose of all these relics? It's to increase our faith right? So our faith in God. St. Gemma, again, her faith is being tested, right? So it can be tested with all this pain. And all of a sudden Jesus says, you know, let's see what happens when you're in pain. Let's see what happens when you're in the midst of suffering. Um, This is where the demonic wants to get you and say, oh, you're in the midst of suffering. You better find pleasure. But no, she remembers she has the Holy Cross around her neck. So she has a moment of faith in God. And she says, wait a minute, I've got this relic around me. It reminds me that God is with me. I'm going to make the sign of the cross. I have this moment of faith. I make the sign of the cross out of faith in the state of faith with faith in mind, or I should say in the state of grace for her, but with out of, out of pure faith, out of the virtue of faith. And what happened to her? She became calm and Jesus let me see himself, but only for a short time. And he strengthened me anew to suffer and struggle. That's what the key is. We're in the midst of the suffering and struggling, and it, the devil's one of the tricks is going to make us think that this is forever, that God doesn't love us in the midst of our pain and suffering. That's the trick. Though God doesn't love you anymore, what good is that? And then that's where our faith is being tested. That's what she teaches us. So what's the point of carrying all these medals, of, of, of having all these things around our necks, if we're not going to use them to increase our faith. It's not that the metal itself has any powers. The relic didn't exactly have a power in and of itself, but it increased the faith. And through our faith is where we are made whole, you know? And so this is another one. There was a different saint. Um, This was a mystic and a saint. Uh, It was blessed Alexandria da Costa. Okay. And she was, this is what it says. She was tormented by these demonic verbal assaults for many years. Um, And here's another example of the diabolical attack. It said, if it were not for that imposter, which you hold in your hand, I would put a foot on your neck. Alexander was holding a crucifix at the time. And notice what the devil does. Of course, it's a lie. It says that imposter, which is uh, what you're holding in your hand, I would put a foot foot on your neck. I would reduce you body to a pulp. But you will see that he will do this to you himself. You will then wish me to come. I'm sorry, you will then wish to come to me, but I will not accept you. Thank that object of superstition. I don't fear it anymore, but I hate it. Well, this is interesting, right? Because it's self-contradictory. This is how we know that it's diabolical as well. And these are one of the tricks. The devil, look at what the devil's trying to say here to the saint, you know, to Saint Alexandrina and saying, oh my goodness, I would show, I, I would destroy you right now. You know, I would, I would turn your body to pulp. Um, and you're going to see that this is what Jesus is going to do to you, right? Because all of a sudden he's holding the, cru- the uh, I'm sorry, she's holding a crucifix. The saint is holding a crucifix. But look at where the lies and the, <clears throat> the self-contradiction come in. One, if it were not for that imposter, which you hold in your hand, I would put a foot on your neck. So the devil can't, in the midst of his lies, he's got to tell the truth too. If you look at this, it says, if it weren't for that imposter, are you, and then I would do this. One, if it's an imposter, why don't you just do that then? Why don't you just put your put your foot on my neck and, and end me right now? Why don't you mangle my body? Like you said, why don't you, um, you know, why don't you end me? 
because this is an imposter. No, it sounds like it's the real deal. Otherwise, you would, you know, you you'd be able to do that. You, which also tells me that you don't have that much power. I'm holding this crucifix, and the crucifix has all the power. <clears throat> you don't have any power, even though you're saying, "Oh no, if it weren't for that, I'd be able to do this." But that's an imposter. Not possible, right? Not possible. It's not possible. If somebody's an imposter, then I can go past them. If somebody's pretending to be a security guard and they're not the real security guard, then I can get past them because I'm like, no, you're not real. I need to see the real security guard. But the devil lies, right? So that's another big trick. And it's all a lie. He's the father of lies, right? So he lies. And that's the first thing that's going to happen here. That imposter there, oh, if it weren't for that imposter, nope, not an imposter. Otherwise, you'd be able to do what you're saying. <clears throat> and then the next part, he says, um, Thank that object of superstition, right? I don't fear it anymore, but I hate it. If it were strictly superstition, then it would have no value. It would have no power. But he's saying, thank that object of superstition. I don't fear it anymore, but I hate it. I don't care if the devil fears or hates it or whatever. What I do see is that it can't be an imposter and it can't be just a mere superstition. A mere superstition isn't real. Superstitions don't have any power in and of themselves, but it tells me that the crucifix has great, great power. And we forget that sometimes, you know, we carry our crucifix around, but we got to have faith just like St. Gemma showed us. It doesn't do me any good to have a crucifix if I don't have faith in Christ. Even Jesus wasn't able to perform miracles when people didn't have faith in him. The element of faith is very, very important. And our faith in Christ is important in order for us to be able to overcome um, temptation, in order for us to be able to overcome sin. And those are the tricks. The devil's going to try to make us believe that our sacramentals don't have any uh, any influence on our faith and that our faith has no power. It's also going to make us believe, if we listen to these words, that, oh, he's really, really powerful. He's going to put that foot on our neck. But no, he's saying that, oh, it's an imposter. No, you would have already done it. You know, if, if it were truly an imposter, you would have already done it, which makes me, t which makes us see that Jesus is, in fact, the real deal. There's no question about it. There's also this question of prayer. It makes us believe that prayer is just, oh, for old ladies, or prayer is just kind of something simple. Prayer doesn't have that much power to it. Prayer is the most powerful thing that we can do here. You know, when we, what is prayer? It's uniting ourselves to God. We forget that it's not just words. You know, there was another quote, um, or actually there was something else that St. Gemma tells us uh, as the, the devil appeared to her. He said, go ahead and pray for yourself. But if you pray for others, I will make you pay dearly for it. Well, again, these are where the lies come in, right? Pray for yourself. Sure. Increase your, your, your pride, increase uh, that greed, increase that self-focus, focus on ourselves. We, that's how we start to do our will, right? Because all we care about is ourselves. Um, that's what happened to the devil. He's not going to follow God's will. He's going to follow his own. But listen to the next part, which is the lie. If you pray for others, I will make you pay dearly for it. Well, that tells me is I better start praying for others. Because one, the devil's not going to make me pay dearly for anything. Only God's going to allow certain things to happen. But the power of prayer must be very important, just like the value of the soul must be huge. Why? Because the devil seems to be really interested in that. If he's telling you not to do something, you know, or he's telling you not to do something because he's going to hurt you. Well, we saw the devil doesn't have a whole lot of power because according to him, Jesus is an imposter, but he can't hurt you if Jesus is there, Right. And the next part is he's saying, oh, if you if you pray for others, I'm going to make you pay dearly for it. Nope. Sounds to me like if I pray for others, a lot of good's going to happen. And the devil's going to be defeated. At the end of the day, that's what really, well, that's what it comes down to. If we're praying for others, we're praying for their soul. We're praying for the value of their soul. Don't underestimate the value of your soul. You know, um, this is what's important. So what do we want to take away from today's talk here at the end of the hour? The first thing we want to take away is that 
Don't forget your soul is super valuable. When we wake up in the mornings, think about what do I want to do with my soul today? How do I want to increase my soul? Higher place in heaven. And let's not fall for these tricks. I don't want to fall for these lies. The only truth is that Jesus is all powerful. God is all powerful. He gave me the soul. He wants me to be united to it. To, uh, he wants me wants to be united to my soul. And anything that's going to come between me and eternal happiness is not worth it. It's all going to be a lie. And I don't want to fall for the tricks of the demons. Until next time, I'll be praying for you. And I ask that you pray for me. And we'll see you here at the clinic next week on the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show.